Let's do it. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And we're glad to be with you on this beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. Oh, it is. Oh, I tell you. Gorgeous, man. I tell you, it just doesn't get any better than this. Slight little breeze. (laughs) Of course, that's where we're at. Now, yeah. depending on where you're at, it may yeah. not be so good. Hey, I'm that, sorry for you, but that's South it. Louisiana, you know. That's it. Well, I can remember at Easter time wearing a jacket, too. That's a fact. And I can also remember going swimming. Yep. <laughs> yep. Why don't you go give us a call? I'll put you right at the top of the list. Get your questions answered. Give you some little automotive advice. Maybe get you out of a problem. Get you out of a jam. Get you out yeah. of a little bind. Yeah. Maybe something may actually happen after the show goes off and you have no way to call us. You can always go to the website, get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. There are several databases you could search on the, the site to get your particular Depends on how much information you actually want right. a certain time. Because chances are, I think there's 975 vehicle questions in there that have already been answered. And those are short to the point, answer to a particular topic. That's right. Like when I put my clutch in, there's a squeak noise. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it could be yak, 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 yak. But now, if you want to know more about a specific topic, then that's when you go over to detailed topics. It's going to give you an awful lot of information, tell you how it works, why it works, why it's in there, so on and so forth. I put one on there this morning on torque converter shutter. And that's one of those things that a lot of folks have experienced it, but not very many people understand what it really is. In fact, right. when you tell people about lock, torque converter lockup, a lot of them just don't really understand. Most, they kind of get a blank stare. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times they say, hey, I have a little vibration when it shifts into fourth gear. And it's not shifting into any gear. It's going into lockup, which feels very similar to shifting into a gear. Because what happens, a torque converter is, I guess for lack of a better term, sort of like an automatic clutch. Correct. When you come to a stop, it allows slippage so that the engine can continue to run while the car doesn't move. However, as you go down the road, you don't need that slippage anymore. So there's a clutch built inside of the torque converter that locks up. It makes it one-to-one drive, so the right. slippage is now gone. Like a regular clutch would That's in exactly a standard right. transmission. And on the older cars, it would lock up after it shifted all of its gears. Correct. From what I understand, some of the more modern cars lock up between gears. Okay. So it's just an effort to give you the best possible fuel mileage. It directs more of the available power to the transmission without the slippage, which slippage is waste. So that's why it's in there. And what can happen if the fluid becomes depleted in the car or if the wrong fluid is put into the car or sometimes just by design, particularly on Ford products. Right. We run across that a lot. Mm -hmm. You're driving along about 40, 45 miles an hour, and it feels almost like you ran over a cattle garden road. Just a little shudder. It's like, wow, what was that? And just about the time that you recognize it's done it. It's gone. It's gone. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's. A very subtle sort of a thing, but if it continues to go on, if you just ignore it, it's going to end up doing damage because it's going to tear up the clutch linings on that clutch inside the converter. Those clutch lines are going to stick in the valves and the solenoids in the transmission. You can end up buying a transmission for three grand for Where, something that may have been able to be solved with as simple as a proper service. And correct. proper is the key word That's here. It. That's it. Yeah, we it. don't mean a flush. In fact, a lot of what we're seeing, folks go in somewhere thinking they're doing the right thing, get a transmission flush. They flush... 12 quarts of Dextron 3 through, through a, a modern Ford transmission, Ford transmission exactly. that calls for Mercon 5. They put a way substandard fluid. Uh, nothing wrong with Dextron 3, except it's not a synthetic fluid. It's not, yeah, it's designed, not designed for that for particular that application. Unit. 
and then it starts to shudder, and not right away because you got a little bit of residual effect from the old fluid that was in there. Correct. But a few days, weeks, months later, it starts to shudder, and they don't know what's wrong. Now, if you right, and you may, guy, not, you may not be able to, to bring it back to that point. So, well, when this happened, right. you just this don't know. happened. It just started happening. Right. And if you go to the wrong person, you may end up with a new transmission. At, we see that all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We really do. Folks you come know. in a lot of time, new transmission. Well, yeah, we're shaking at 45 miles an hour. Well, even some people that come into the shop, I need mm-hmm. a new transmission. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. Back up. Stop what, the train. What's, what's it <laughs> doing? What's it doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good article on that topic. It has pictures, shows you what's inside of a torque converter, how it works, how to diagnose the problem, how to prevent the problem. So something that's, that you might want to look out for. That's neat to be able to look inside one mm-hmm. because when you take the, the piece out, it's all welded together. Right. The only way to take it apart is cut it. That's right. So most people never see the inside of one. Well, that's right. And what I do, I went on the Internet looking for a cross-section of a torque converter, and most of those are designed for automatic transmission professionals so they show every single detail and Correct. looking at that photograph it is extremely extremely hard to determine what is this how does this work <laughs> it's just not a very simple photograph right. or a picture or drawing they show all the detail of parts that you're not really interested in knowing about so what i do is i go in i draw a simplified version now it's not technically correct because it doesn't have every single component but it shows the basic components and how they work which makes it much easier for the average person to understand correct so generally i end up drawing those myself just because i can't find a photograph with a simple enough well with the proper detail right they're either too simplistic which doesn't give you enough detail or they're too complicated where it take a rocket scientist with three phds in engineering to understand it so (laughs) (laughs) why don't you pop on there to see what you think is www.agcoauto Remember, that's A-G-C-O, agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, Good sir. morning. I have a 2006 3.5-liter Saturn View. Okay. And it's got the daytime running lights, but sometimes when you get out of the car, the headlights come on and they stay on. I took it when it was under warranty and they changed the headlight switch. Okay. Now the same thing's happening again, plus... While you're driving, the fog lights are flashing on and off. Wow, yeah, that sounds like some sort of a module-type mm-hmm. problem, Paul. There's probably a lighting control module of some sort on the vehicle. I'm not familiar enough to tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to consult service data. But most cars today have a module of some sort. In fact, we worked on a Ford Friday with this, uh, sorry, Thursday with the same problem. And the headlight control module was the issue. It's an electronic device, and it allows for things like the delay. Like when you turn your headlights off, you get out of the car, you can set a delay that will leave them on until you get in the house, those sorts of things. That's Mm -hmm. what the module does. But when it malfunctions, then it can turn the lights on when it shouldn't. Flashing is what sort of gives it away to me. It's probably flashing some type of an error message or error code. Should be relatively simple to diagnose with the proper equipment. What you have to do with a Tech 2 scan tool, you can go into the body control module, which will communicate with all the other modules. And there should be either a fault code in there. If there's no fault code, at least you can look at what the modules are doing. But I would bet you it's going to be something along those lines. And we don't always have to replace those modules. Sometimes we can pair them. What we've found, a lot of modules these days, because they're rushing production and they're doing so much offshore production these days you get what they call a coal solder joint there's when that wave solder machine built this part they didn't solder the joints quite well enough over the time they'll get little cracks in the joints and then moisture will get into them they'll start doing flaky stuff like this sometimes you can just take the module out resolder the joints and it fixes it can i ask another question yes sir go ahead why would when i originally took it in 
and they tested it, why wouldn't that code have come up then? They just changed the headlight switch. Well, see, it could have been another problem. The engineers were assuming it's the same problem. It could be that they had a problem with the switch at that time. It could very simply be that they just misdiagnosed the problem. Okay. Dealerships don't always have the sharpest knives in a drawer working there. And if they just looked at it and saw that the headlight switch was affecting it, changed the switch, and it went away. But again, the switch is feeding into the module. So it could have been just unplugging the switch and replugging the switch may have temporarily resolved the issue. Okay. See, sometimes just disconnecting a module and reconnecting it will resolve the issue. Just like your computer at home, you know how to lock up on you every once in a while and you just unplug it and you plug it back in, it seems to be working, but then it does it again? Yep. It's just the act of plugging and unplugging that temporarily masks a symptom. Could be the same thing with this. Just plugging and unplugging that headlight switch could have temporarily masked a symptom. If the guy wasn't real sharp at diagnosis, he saw that and says, well, it's fixed. Okay. And did not resolve the initial problem or the original problem. Thank you very much. All right, Paul. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Donnie online. Good morning, Donnie. Yes. Uh, how y'all doing this I'm morning? I'm doing great, sir. Good, good. Look, I have a 94 Probe GT. I have to put a distributor in it. Okay. And I was wondering, is there a wrong way you can do that? I mean, because it seems like it has like a little slot in it. Yes, sir. It has to be timed. Most of those, and again, Donnie, on a 94, it should have been so long since I worked on one. I don't recall exactly how that one works, but most Fords have some sort of a device. We've got a whole set of them at the shop that bolts. You take the rotor off, and it bolts on where the rotor goes, which holds that shaft in line. Mm -hmm. Then when you drop it in, it's automatically in time. And without that device, it's relatively hard to do. And those aren't real expensive, but there's a bunch of them. Almost every different kind of Ford has a different one. And again, 94 is going back a ways. I hadn't worked on one of those in several years, but I'm sure there's probably something like that. I'd have to consult service data to know. You know, it's just there's so many different designs out there anymore, you can't possibly keep them all in your head. So we subscribe to a, a service data where it goes in, we can read it, and then, oh, yeah, okay, that's how it works. And then that way you'll know how to do it. But most of them do have some type of a device to line that shaft up. If you just drop the rotor in there, chances are it's going to be out of time. Timing's going to be off. One thing you might be able to do, Donnie, since you don't have that tool, is to maybe take like a marker of some sort, mark the rotor, mark the housing, mark the engine block relative to the position it's in, line everything up as best you possibly can, and then drop it in crank it up and see what it does. If it does not run properly, you probably have to take it to somebody and have them retime it. But, I mean, that should get you close enough to where it'll at least run. Well, it does run. Okay. Uh, it did start, mm -hmm. and uh, but it doesn't run smooth. Yeah, probably be cheapest, Donnie, just to take it to somebody and let them check that. Because by the time you buy the tool and take it back apart and do all those things, you're going to be into a pretty big deal. And it is also possible that there's another problem. You know, the distributor wasn't the whole problem. The distributor may have been part of the problem, not the whole problem, or the distributor may be a symptom of the problem. So you may do, you know, it may be cheaper to bring it to somebody and have them look at it and, get, and you know, give you a professional opinion on it. Okay, one just quick general question. Sure. Jumping a battery mm -hmm. uh, with today's cars, is that a wise thing to do? It's really better not to, Donnie. You can get into so much trouble so fast, and the thing is, if you do everything perfect, then okay, you got the car started. If you do anything wrong, you can do thousands of dollars worth of damage in a split second. Almost every car today has a computer-controlled alternator on it. When you connect two batteries to that, it goes wide open. So when you disconnect one battery, you get a surge through the system that can do damage. Now, don't even think about accidentally bumping those cables backwards. 
fellow one time that was trying to jump his daughter's Supra off, and he just touched the cables backwards. Of course, big spark. He jumps back, hooks them up right, crank, 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 car won't start. And he mm-hmm. says, well, you know, I only touched it for a second. I said, well, you realize that electricity is moving 186,000 miles a second. <laughs> I don't think you're that fast. <laughs> I've had people ask me to jump them off before and say, look, I, how about I just pay for your record bill? <laughs> It'll be cheaper yeah. for both of us, you know. Okay, because I did read something about that in the manual. Yeah, yeah. It can hurt the electrical system. It very well can. It's it's very, very, very critical. I mean, if everything's done perfectly, yeah, you can do it. But if anything goes wrong, it's just the downside is so, so down, and the upside is fairly small, that it's probably just not worth doing. Okay, and what would be the alternative if you need to? Well, buy a battery. battery. Yeah, buy a battery would be one thing. Call a wrecker is another thing. They do make some little jump packs that you can buy that are probably a little more foolproof. They just plug in like a cigarette lighter. That might be another way. Possibly charge the battery, but even that you can get into trouble on. It's just the world we live in, and as cars get more and more complex, that's going to get to be a bigger and bigger and bigger problem. I see. I got a friend of mine that works at a BMW dealership. And he told me the other day, if the battery goes dead in your new BMW, it's about $300 to reset all the computers and stuff that have to be reset. Okay. So it's just the world we live in. People love gadgets. I mean, and and they buy them, but they don't realize that down the road, this is going to be a problem for me. And when it is, somebody's got to pay for all that. (laughs) Okay. So when you're changing a battery, Mm -hmm. everything has to be reset when you're putting another battery back in? On some of the new cars, yes. That one has a steering angle that has to be reset because it loses that. All cars are going to lose their idle function, but it will relearn that on its own, or for the most part, they'll relearn on their own. They lose their shift points. Many times there's a security code and a radio they're going to lose. There's all sorts of things that when you disconnect the battery, the battery's keeping all that memory alive, and all that is lost, and some of it has to be reprogrammed on some of the newer cars. I see. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Okay, Donnie. Thank Thank you, man. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Ms. Crown Victoria. Mm, so I got some junk in my trunk, but why you want to treat me so bad? Took me to a repair shop, the worst I ever had. My new owner brought me to Agco, they do me right. No shimmy or shake, I run straight through the night. Got a running alignment, and my ride is so smooth. it up, folks, for Miss Crown Victoria. And visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com. Hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just, just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And that'll get you right on straight to us. Just go ahead and give us a call. Put you Put right up there at the top of the list. That's right. Right now is a good time to call, too, because we got all our lines open. It's exactly right. And just the last caller we were talking to, we are talking about batteries and so on and so forth. That's one of those things that a lot of folks are not familiar with how much that has changed in cars because in the old days you had a battery and basically all it did was crank the car 
Yeah, you and, had a, it ran a few little lights here and there. Well, and, you know, basically, you could take you had the battery, a basic electrical system. Yeah, you could take the battery out of the car and it would run alternator. off the alternator. Correct. It didn't, didn't even matter. Try that now, and you're going to wipe out the ECM right oh. off the bat. Oh, yeah. You're going to kill about $1,000 worth of electronics. But the thing is, batteries do so, so much more now. And that's one reason why batteries don't last for five, six years like they used to. Right. Because they are doing so, so much more. They're being cycled a lot more. They're being run deeper. The thing is, they take longer to recharge. If you don't drive the car a whole lot, a lot of folks who have cars drive maybe three, four miles at a time. Then the car maybe sits all day. Maybe right. they'll drive it once, twice a day. And what happens after about six months, the battery's dead. Well, it's because the battery's being deep cycled with a cranking type battery. For instance, when you crank it, you're pulling out some amperage. That amperage has to be put back into that battery immediately. And all the the only way it can be done is running the vehicle, letting the alternator charge it up. And for a period of time. Right. For instance, if you get in the car, you crank it up, you've discharged the battery. Now you go down to the grocery store, you sit idling at the red light. Well, that alternator is probably discharging at an idle. Right. It's not turning fast enough to even run the car, much less put the charge back in the battery. You run it for five minutes, then you shut it off, then you crank it again when you're discharging it again. And what happens after you keep deep cycling this battery the plates start to sulfate, and once that happens, that portion of the plate is dead and gone. It's not coming back. Correct, and the battery doesn't recharge to 100% right. anymore. Each time this occurs, time and time and time again, the battery gets weaker and weaker and weaker, and that's why folks who have to operate their car that way, they may only see a year's use out of a battery. Right. Even people who tend to drive a normal amount or a proper amount, I guess, for lack of a better term, We'll find that their battery is probably not going to last more than about three years. Yeah, you can push your battery farther, mm -hmm. but do you really want to? Well, exactly. You know, because batteries die in, in different ways. Sometimes they, they, they're slow to crank. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> sometimes, walk, walk out in the morning, uh -huh. it cranked fine the day before. The just, next morning, it's stone dead. Just like a massive heart attack, man. Yeah. Just boom, it's gone. That's it's it. dead, you know? And what happens, you may get no warning whatsoever. You just get in the car, it cranks up, it runs just fine. You go to church, right. school, hairdresser, whatever. You come out, you hit the switch, and there's absolutely nothing. Dead as a Right. And not only are you stranded, mm -hmm. but you have to try to get the car to someone that can put a battery in right. it. Right. Properly. Also, properly. That is the key word. <laughs> properly. You lose all your memory mm -hmm. on your... Everything. Well, lose the idle function, lose yeah. the shift points, lose the security codes in the radio. And on the newer cars, it's losing a whole lot more than that because some of them have settings on the on the suspension system. They have all kinds of security settings. All that can be lost. So it's just getting to be a bigger and bigger issue. Now, if you do any research on the Internet, what you'll find is the average life of a battery across the United States is 38 months, slightly over three years. Correct. South Louisiana is probably a little bit less than that because of the extremes in temperature that we see down here with the hot, hot, the hot kills of it in the first cold day shows it up. Yeah. But if you know that the life average is 38 months, doesn't it make some measure of sense maybe replace it at 36 months? Well, and, and by doing that, you saved yourself from being stranded. Right. In other words, instead of a run-to-fail mentality, Correct. let's cop a, hey, let's prevent a problem mentality. Correct. Which one's cheaper overall? Well, that's it. But most people don't see it that way. Well, that's right. Now, you know, oh, why replace a good battery? I can change a good battery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, then pay an $85 record bill. Well, and, and plus, then, you and your wife is mad at you. <laughs> well, and then you got to have kids a battery. Miss, kids miss their play. <laughs> then you got to have a battery put in. And it's still got to get a battery anyway. You probably so, paid 150 bucks for an $80 battery because it was Sunday. It was the only place you could get one. Exactly. You know? 
But on and on and on and on, it just makes so much more sense. And not only that, not only do you skip the record bill, skip your wife ragging on you for the next two weeks. Right. <laughs> I told you to change the battery. <laughs> <laughs> you also, when that battery is dying, it's not just going gracefully to the beyond. What it's doing is stressing the devil out of your alternator. Exactly. It's making it work a lot harder. So you may end up with a $450 alternator you didn't have to buy. It's stressing the starter motor. It's stressing all the electrical components on the car. It may create all sorts of problems. We had one gentleman come in with a Ford truck, and every once in a while, he would start the truck, and the air conditioning wouldn't work. He would put it on cold and blow hot. Okay. And he had spent an inordinate amount of money trying to trace this problem down. I think he tried to fix it himself first and, and ended up blowing about $500 on junk he didn't need. He right. took it to some jughead who sapped him out of another $500 he didn't need. Come to find out, he finally brings it to us. Well, what we found is that when he was cranking his car, the battery voltage was dropping down to about 9 volts. Right. And a starter will... Crank an yeah, engine it'll, on it'll nine volts. Start or crank at eight volts, but it's just not going to run the car very efficiently. Now, as soon as the alternator kicked on, the system voltage went back up to 12 and a half volts, so uh -huh. everything was fine, except that all the little actuators under the dash were getting confused because when you sap the voltage down, they lose their home position. Correct. Now, when you started it, they didn't know where home was, so wherever that door was when the battery went down, that's where they assumed home was, so they may go to hot when it says cold. Correct. So... We put a battery in the thing and fixed this problem. Never had more trouble with the alternator. How about I mean, with that? the air conditioning. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but batteries can do all sorts of crazy little old things like that. And like I said, the point is, I guess, do yourself a big old favor. Just consider, let's say, an expensive battery nowadays is normally about 90 bucks. Uh, you can get them on up to 120 dollars so, so $130, $140. Right, depending cost. on what you're looking for. But again, what take the highest price of all. Let's say $150 all right. for a battery. All right. Okay, well, that's 50 bucks a year is what a battery costs. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. So if we take that and divide it again by 12 months in a year, we'll come out with what? No, no, uh -uh. no, 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 no. Uh -uh. A few bucks. <laughs> a few, yeah, I'll go with that. A few bucks a month. So if you push this thing three or four extra months, you save six, eight bucks, right? Okay. But what did it cost you? Exactly. So if you start looking at the overall cost, and that is one thing that we just don't teach in our school systems or we our don't. political systems or anywhere else in the world. And it, it really needs to be. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Because most people think tomorrow. Well, I think price. Or today. The price, if there's a lower price, this must be cheaper. Well, kind of like I said a million times, you know, how much those shoes cost? Yeah. I don't know, I ain't through wearing them. <laughs> because if, if it lasts me one year, it costs me 40 bucks a year. If it lasts two years, only 20 bucks a year. So, you know, on and on and on it goes. If it lasts four years, it ain't but 10 bucks a year. There you so, go. You got to take into account how long you're going to use the product. Right. The cost, because there is a cost. And that's true with cars, probably as much or more than anything else. A lot of people think that, well, I'm going to go buy a new car. Okay, well, let's add in. The price you pay for this car, the sales tax you pay for this car, the higher insurance premiums on this car, the finance the charges on this car. The higher fuel costs that it takes. Higher fuel costs. Oh, yeah, because it takes premium fuel. fuel. Right. The higher maintenance costs, because now you got 20-inch tires on this thing that costs 400 bucks a piece. Right. Add all that up. And so, yeah, but I'm saving five miles a gallon. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what did it cost you, you to say, go five miles? You're saving miles. 50 bucks a year on yeah. gas. And, and, and you're spending $40,000 to do it. You just got to look at the bigger picture. You got to add in all the factors. And then when you do that, you can start making a lot wiser decisions. And and you can take that to any aspect of your life. That's exactly right. You know, you can, you can take that and 
Take it to the grocery store mm-hmm. or take it anywhere. Well, you go buy some the cheap ground meat that's $4 a pound or $3 a pound, whatever it is. When and you when cook you cook it, it you, you got, got a half burn by the size of a silver dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Buy the good stuff, you got a half pound burger when you get through. So, that's it. <laughs> Y'all, you bought was a bunch of fat that just oh, it ran out when you cooked melted it. away and you had to throw it away because it's too gross to look at. Yep. Hey, we're going to take another quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Here's King Cab. My owner took me to Agco for losing my cool. She trusts those ace technicians, cause she ain't no fool. Well, they fixed my radiator and everything. Now I'm rolling down the highway like And visit AgcoAuto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com. To hear entire songs performed by all our contestants, then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? And we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Yep, we're ready, waiting for your calls. That's right. We were talking just a little bit about the overall lowest cost concept, and that is for people who, I guess, work in industry around here, and, and it is a lot of industry here. Correct. SO, Exxon, I guess I should say, yeah. in the area, in Dow, Dow. I, I don't want to leave anybody out, tons of them. But a lot of times these big plants buy a lot of very expensive equipment. And so they've got what they call purchasing agents. Now, this is a guy who is trained to buy at the overall lowest cost. Right. Not, not necessarily the, initial the price. price. He is educated in doing that. Correct. And that concept can be brought home and save a tremendous amount of money on all the things that we buy. To give you an example, let's say we're looking at this compressor that this okay. plant has to buy. Well, there may be one compressor here that costs $400,000 and another compressor that costs a million dollars. However, if the million-dollar compressor is going to last three times as long, consume a third less energy, and do a better job in the interim then it is a less expensive compressor to buy, even though the initial cost is higher. Right. And that is exactly the same thing with your car or basically everything else that you buy in life. One reason that Toyotas have taken over so much of the market is not because they are the cheapest car to buy. It's because they give a very good service life, low maintenance, and they last a long time. Not only that, but they are bring a lot of money when you sell them. They have a high resale value, which right. is all part of the same thing. People know that this is a good car, and they're willing to pay more money for it, so therefore it's going to have a high resale value. 
That's one way you can judge pretty much the quality of a car. It amazes me. You hear all these commercials. Oh, this is the highest initial quality. Well, initial, right, initial quality, quality. Yeah, the guy bought it yesterday. He said, well, you know, how do you like your car? Well, I love it. It's a brand new car. Yeah. I drove it three miles since I got home. That's you right. Know? <laughs> but, you know, it's great. Drive Call me that, in five years. Yeah, drive that car 100,000 miles and see how you like it. Right. <laughs> I'll let and, you know in five years. Well, and that's where resale value pretty much tells the tale correct because the more people are willing to pay for a car is generally people are not stupid they're real smart and they're real smart at saving their own money so therefore when you look at the resale value of a car it tells you an awful lot about how good the car is that's one reason toyota's has such a high resale value toyota and honda and honda yeah both those hey let's see if we can get some of these phone calls answered we've got howard online good morning howard how are you doing Good morning, sir. Yes, How are you? Great. Regarding, I'd like to read this to you because it's kind of a never-ending story. About 20,000 miles ago, he uh, looked at my 94 Buick LeSabre, which okay. I use as a second car. Okay. He found three codes and wouldn't throw parts at it, and so that was it. We, we left, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, as this weather gets warmer though it has 120,000 away where can I take two or three thousand dollars and go buy another car well you really can't you You can't okay now this is what it does it starts fine Mm -hmm. in the morning Mm -hmm. and drives and go go to the store Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I use it as a junker but anyway if I come to a red light it'll sit there and idle and then when I go to take off it appears as if it were running out of fuel and it, it'll hesitate, it'll sit there and idle, then it'll hesitate and it'll surge for maybe yeah. a block or yeah. two. Okay. And then first thing you know, it takes off and it'll run, and I can drive well. it 15, 20 miles. Well, Howard, got a situation there where the fix is probably worse than the problem. Well, you know, let what, me what, ask you this. Well, what's what the problem? Just keep on driving like it is. How can I set it up with you? to? You're not going to be able to find that, Howard, because it occurs too infrequently. If it's not setting any code, you're just not going to find that problem. Sounds like to me the problem is not nearly as bad as the solution is. Now, you want to fix it? Okay, great. Bring it to me. I'll drive it until it does it. I'm going to probably have 8, 10 hours diagnostic time tied up. You ain't going to be able to afford the bill. But, yeah, you can fix it. It's well, just the problem. You're talking about something that occurs, what, every month? No, 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 no. Right now, this, this occurs every day. If it occurs every okay. day and it'll do it when I drive it, I can tell you what it is. But if it doesn't, got a very minor problem there, not hurting anything else. I mean, I don't know that you really have to fix that problem. Well, if I don't want to get killed by being run over by mm-hmm. someone because my car won't, yeah. uh, well, that's, that's the other solution. The only other thing you can do is to bring it in, leave it with me until I can duplicate it. If I can't duplicate it, I can't find it. And you're going to well, have to be willing yeah, to leave yeah, it for I, I, I live out in the country, way mm-hmm. far away from you. And, yeah, and you might that, find somebody who's closer to yeah. you and see no, if they no, can no, help no, you no, out I, because I, I'm not going to be able to find it. You know, if I can't duplicate it, then there's just no way for me to tell you what it is. I can check right. codes all day long. There may be a dozen codes. We can spend a whole lot of money. But even if we do that, we don't know if we fix anything because we can't duplicate the problem. Correct. So it's one of those deals. you got to find somebody you can work with, get your car to them, leave it with them long enough for them to find the problem, and then they can get it fixed for you. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas. Morning. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I've got a question. Let me just let me say up front, I know what part of the problem is. Mm-hmm. My daughter's driving. Bro, she wasn't paying attention to the brake pad, and I won't either because the car. Hey, Thomas, you, you're breaking up real, real, real bad. Could you call me back from another cell? I can't get, I'm catching about every other word of it. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Bobby, good morning, Bobby. Morning, guys. How you doing? Doing good great, morning. sir. I want to say thanks again for the public service you do of putting that ad out. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. 
But some of the people I know, I, I keep telling them to listen, and I explain uh-huh. some of these things to them. You might as well be speaking Greek. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know mean, it. I know. <laughs> say, well, why'd you I've buy been doing it for 40 years, man. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, well, why'd you buy it? Well, my neighbor bought one. Yeah. Okay, and my wife liked it. And let me tell you, I can, uh, when you say your wife, yeah, 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 chewing on you, uh-huh. you must be living in my house. <laughs> okay, two things. First thing I want to ask is the proper way when a battery goes out, because I've been one of these guys, go to failure. Now, last time I failed, I called. About a year ago, and, it, mm-hmm. and like you said, it was great the night before you come out, bunk. It's, right. it's yep. totally dead. Yep. And I took the battery. I put a new one in. Now, man, what is the best way for a civilian to do that? I, I had a, I got a 2005 Odyssey. Now, mm-hmm. when I get mm-hmm. a 2010, maybe it's going to be worse, huh? Yeah, it's going to be a lot, lot worse. Bobby, the best thing to do, they do sell some little devices. Seen some them, of yeah. them work pretty good. Some of them don't work so hot. But if you got a way to keep some type of power on the system while you change the battery. Uh-huh. The best ones are going to hook into the OBD2 connector. Okay. And they're going to probably cost you about 60 bucks. They make some little ones with a 9-volt battery that plug in a cigarette lighter. Sometimes those work, sometimes they don't, because okay. sometimes when you turn the key off, cigarette lighter goes dead. It just depends on how the system's wired. Right. As to if it keeps power to the, the, the one, key components. The newest one we have, it, it's a little battery pack, sort of like goes in a burglar alarm or a emergency lighting uh-huh. pack, and it plugs into your OBD2 connector which is tied straight to the computer. So what it does is it puts power on that computer to hold the memory. Now, there's any number of ways an ingenious guy might get around that. I mean, I guess if you had like one of those little jumper packs, you could probably hook it across the circuit. As long as you're keeping power on the system, then you're not going to have a problem. Bobby, we sell batteries pretty reasonably. We don't charge anything to put them in. In many cases, if you don't have all the stuff to do it, it's probably cheapest just to bring it somewhere and let somebody do it for you. Correct. And uh, I, th- I think he got cut off. I'm sorry, Bobby, if you want to call back, if that didn't answer your total question, we'll be glad to try to help you out and give you a little bit more advice on that thing. Hey, yep. we're going to go ahead and get on out of here for the next break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. My old owner loved me, and he treated me fine. Used to tag me to Agco all of the time. Now my new owner cuts corners, is looking for a deal. It's enough to make my poor tie, my poor tie squeal. I got the new owner blues, he don't wanna treat me nice. I got the cheap owner blues, down the road he'll pay the price. I'm running low on my fluids. That's no solution. I'm burning engine oil and causing bad pollution. My frame is bent and my ties are lacking tread. I got to get to Agco because I'm about half dead. I got new owner blues. He don't want to treat me nice. I got them cheap owner blues. Down the road, he'll pay the price. Yes, he will. Got to get back to Agco. Keep me rolling, rolling. I got to get back. Got to get back to Agco. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we've got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. 
Hey, Lewis, just one other quick question. Yes, sir. On that Honda Odyssey, I've uh-huh. got power doors, those big sliding doors on yes, the side. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Right. And they're great. You push a button and they work. That's right. when the battery's good, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I'm thinking is my first battery lasted 34 months almost to the day. Yes. Uh, is that because I'm working those power doors, Lewis, or is that no. because I'm driving short trips? Well, probably both, probably both Bobby. Okay. But you got to remember, if the average is 38 months. There's one guy who's going to get four years. Okay. Oh, yeah. So some guys will get two, get two years. You know, That's right. just the way averages work. 34 months is when I used to study statistics when I was in school. It'd say that is a – Oh, it's one standard deviation. Yeah, yeah, not even, not even one standard deviation. It's just noise. You know, it's yeah. not okay. the signal. Okay. It, some of them are going to go 34. Some of them are going to go 38. Some of them go 40. But generally, three years, you're going to do pretty good. Now, the short trips are definitely going to shorten life up just because you're deep cycling the battery. You're not really letting it charge fully, discharging a good bit because of all the accessories on the car. It's just kind of one of those things where you, know, you may even have to change every 30 months to be safe. Okay, now, Lewis, what is a short trip? Eight, mi- eight miles? Yeah, generally anything under 10 miles under is 10, considered okay. a short trip. Right. And we do a lot of that stuff, so. Well, most people do. Most people do. And not only that, if you went, 10 miles on the interstate with That's, the headlights off, the wipers off, right. and, and you're running, you probably charge the battery up okay. But if you went 10 miles to stop and go traffic, you got to remember at an idle, that alternator is probably discharging and the battery subsidizing the alternator. It's when it starts picking up to 1,000, 1,200 RPM because you got to turn an alternator to make it charge. At a 600 RPM idle, it's probably actually discharging the battery is actually subsidizing the alternator. Yeah, okay. All right, thanks again. Lord. Okay, Bobby, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hi, you want to be part of the automotive hour? We'd love to have you. And we got Thomas on line. Good morning, Thomas. Hey, Lewis. I hey, made man. it home, so I got out All right. Good All right. Got a real phone, huh? <laughs> there you go. Okay, my daughter's got Suzuki. It's about a year old. Got okay. about 12,000 miles on Yes, it. sir. And I'll tell you straight up, she drove it all the way down to metal against metal Uh-oh. on the brake pads. Okay. okay. All right. So, all right, that's her fault. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. She was backing up the other day, said she'd noticed, the. I guess she'd been hearing a tattletale on it for a couple of weeks or mm-hmm. more. So she's backing up the other day at the bank, mm-hmm. and it actually kicked out one of the brake pads. Yeah. Wow. Broke the caliper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's my thing. I haven't talked to anybody yet except mm-hmm. the dealership. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had free towing, so she right. had it towed there. Mm-hmm. They're talking about 1000 bucks. Yeah. Now, yeah. my question is, is that I've never heard of a brake pad coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it can get, happen. If they get worn out enough, yeah. there's some room there because the caliper bracket has to – it can't touch the rotor surface because the rotor's turning, the caliper bracket is not. Right. So there's got to be a space there to allow for heat expansion and things to work without right. interference. Right. And what okay. happens is that pad wears out. It gets thin enough. It can slide right out of that slot. That's exactly but right. But it, it has to be – it's worn in, completely out. Yeah, it's engineered you know. to where it can't do it under normal conditions. Correct. But if you just keep driving, 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 you got to remember, too, Thomas, see, on a Suzuki, that stuff is so small, so light, that what probably wouldn't have made much difference on a one-inch wide rotor, when you're talking about a rotor that's probably only 15 millimeters wide to start with, and then you wear some of that away, right. the percentages just get kind of crazy on it. But, yeah, it will kick the pad out. I have seen that. I've seen a Toyota do that. I've seen Chevrolets do right. that. I've okay. seen them come in with the the whole rotor surface gone and nothing but the fins hanging out. Yeah, I mean it's just not designed to be run that way. And I guess like you can safety engineer it as much as you can to a certain point, but if you just keep pushing, 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 yeah, you're gonna end up with a big problem like that. A lot of times, what'll happen? The piston will jump out of the caliper, which right. means you got to buy a new caliper, and plus you got to buy a rotor and who knows what else. So it depends on what else it tore up when it come out of there. Real, well, real. they said that the piston came out the caliper. Yeah, it okay. probably will. Yeah, yeah see, should. once the pad kicks out, then there's nothing to stop the piston. It comes out, hits the rotor, and that rotor's going to just pull it on out of the caliper and 
brake Twist pedal's going right. to go way down. Fortunately, you got dual braking system on, so you got a backup on the other side. And the Suzuki's probably got cross braking, so you got Correct. one front and one rear brake uh, still stopping you. But yeah. Well, hey, well, anyway, she was backing up going about two miles an hour mm-hmm. when it happened. Yeah, that's just when it happened. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. She'd been coming 60 miles an hour off the off ramp. That's and, been a big problem. And backing up may have been the key to getting it out of there and may right. not have come out going forward. See, it's but backing turning, it up, turning it turning in the opposite, the opposite direction. direction, that may have been what threw right. it out. But. I mean, okay. it would have eventually come out regardless. Oh, yeah. but Okay, because I thought, you know, I'd never heard of that oh, happen. Yeah. I thought these cats were probably lying to me. Oh, no. No, that that definitely will happen. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate the info. All right, Tom. All right. I hadn't let them touch it yet. I may be calling you Monday. Yeah. Well, Tuesday. I'll, I'll be closed That's Monday. Right. Okay. Well, I may be calling you Tuesday. <laughs> okay, right. Thomas. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. We still got a few minutes left on the show. We can get your questions asked there for you. you. And we got Will online. Good morning, Will. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Morning. 2003 Ford Ranger. Uh huh. Is there a way to convert power windows to manual windows? Yes, there is, Will. But it's more expensive, probably, than repairing the power window would be. You'd have to replace the entire regulator assembly, and the problem is going to be you've got a hole in your door panel where those switches are that's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. You have to cut another hole for a handle. You have to buy a handle. I think what happened, we're just having a lot of power window problems. Yeah. Yeah. Will, I've got two articles on my site on power windows. You might want to just kind of read those articles. One of them gives you some tips. Actually, three articles. One of them gives you some tips if you're having a lot of power window problems, some things you can do that will help alleviate that and to answer your question yes it can be done but to ask your question again i think it's probably not practical it's gonna probably cost more than repairing the window that you have and if you will start changing a few things you may be able to prevent this from happening again there's certain things that make power windows go out a lot that most people don't ever think about so just go on the site and go to search bar and just type in power window or something to that effect and it's gonna bring up there's at least three articles in there on that topic okay all righty Okay, Will. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. You know, power windows are great when they they're are. working. They are. They're real convenient. They're mm-hmm. real nice to have when they're working. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, they're a big pain in the you-know-what. <laughs> well, I generally buy a car with power windows. First thing I do, reach over and take the fuse out. <laughs> get ready to sell the car and put the fuse back in. There you, you know? go. That way they all Man. work and they're going to get rid of it. You know? I tell you. Yeah, what happens with power windows is that it's a little small motor. It's light duty. The duty cycle on the motor is not that robust. It's not designed for continuous use. It's designed for intermittent use. Right. And what happens is a cable-type regulator, which is not the old gears and levers like it used to be. It's a little metal channel with two plastic rollers with a cable roundup in it, and that thing is notorious for breaking. And if you got any kids or anything and they sit there and play with those windows, I will absolutely guarantee you keep my card because we're going to be they, changing them out for you. Pretty they ain't going to last real long, I guarantee no, you. No, no. But a few of the other things you can do, one thing is the little rubber tracks around the door frame. That the window runs in? That runs in, right. It's uh-huh. a run channel. That guides the window. And that generally will get kind of sticky and dirty and one thing or another. When it does, the window will bind. Correct. And when the window binds and you hit that switch, that motor's going to do its best to push it up. And it's straining to do it. So it, when it strains that motor, the amperage goes way high. It starts smoking the, all the windings on it. The insulation burns off. Two wires touch each other and wham, your window quits working. It's over. That's it. That or it'll burn out the switch or it'll burn out the break the regulator or something like that. But if you do nothing more than 
every time you wash the car, I guess like me, I never wash my car. <laughs> every so often, take a, a towel and get you a little bit of oh, some kind of mild detergent and just clean those run channels. Run as, the wind all the way down. Clean the channel real good. Clean as much of that channel as you can get. Right. Clean the edges of the windows. What will happen too, sometimes maybe you park in a parking lot, somebody will come by with a soft drink and it splashes on your car. Well, that syrup turns to glue and it glues that window in place. That's right. Not only that, but the hot sun baking down on the thing all day long, that rubber gets sticky and it'll stick to the window. We had a lady come in not too long ago with a caravan and she said, my windows do not work. And I said, really? All of them? She says, not one of them will work at all. I know it's going to be a major deal. Uh-huh. Well, Jeff went in and hit the switch. When it just did not work, none of them. But you could hear the motor straining. Right. So what he did is he took and worked the window a few times by hand, got it to where it would go up and down, cleaned all the channels, and 15 minutes later, all four windows are working again. <laughs> so there's also some sprays, and you don't want to put any kind of liquid lubricant on there or anything that will affect the rubber, but like a dry silicone-type spray. Uh-huh. You can spray that in that run channel, and it'll give you a little bit of lubrication Right. Allow that window to move up and down a lot more freely. That channel actually runs all the way down to the bottom of the door inside. It does. It guides that glass all the way down inside. You can't clean that right. with a towel. You can't so get in there. Anything you can get in there, like you were saying, kind of a, right. a dry lubricant. If you keep the top clean, because the bottom, yeah, it's going to eventually get dirty, but it's not exposed to the sunlight and all like the top is. Right. So it would be best if you could get in there and clean the entire channel, but obviously that's not practical in most cases. So. Right. But if you get in there and clean that top, lubricate it up, get it going, it should be well on your way to eliminating your power window problem. Like I said before, they're great when they're working, but when they're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Hey, we appreciate everybody listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week also and every week and tell your friends so we can get some more just listening. That's right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Ryan Sebring here and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Give it up for MC Powertrain. Oh, this one goes out to the drivers who forget about preventative maintenance. You know, you got to take a car in regularly or have problems down the road. You'll see, when it comes to maintenance, got to take a stand. Prevention is the word at hand. So keep your car in tune, show the road who's boss. Because that goes down with the overall lowest cost. I said A to the G to the C and O. Echo is the place to go. A to the G to the C and O. Echo is the place to go. Keep it real, MC Powertrain, and visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O Auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicle fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go.